0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. My name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm excited to preach today, because today I get to talk about peace. How many of you could use some more peace in your life? A lot. All right. Well, today I might upset some of your thoughts and ideas of peace. Because I think that sometimes we have a misunderstanding of peace, and I want you to have a biblical understanding, because if we don't have a really good Biblical understanding of what peace is, you might be disappointed as you go through some difficulties in your life. I don't know about you, but uh, before I started really studying the scriptures, before I started really walking with God, my definition of peace really came from the dictionary. This is what I believed peace was it's a state of tranquility or freedom from disturbance. And it's kind of like when, when I'll be at home and I'm trying to focus on something or I'm trying to read or I'm trying to do just a little bit of work and my four kids are just going nuts. It is loud. It is crazy. Sometimes there's fighting. Sometimes there's some like high pitch squealing going on and I'm just like, ah, I just need peace and quiet. Here's another picture of peace. One of my wilderness trips, I went to the Boundary Waters, and uh, here's a sun setting. The water is calm. I don't know if this is what you think about when you think of peace, but as I began to think about peace, before I really knew much about God, this was a picture that I had. There's nothing like coming out of your tent first thing in the morning and seeing the water just like a sheet of glass. No wind and the f- little bit of fog coming off the water. The sun starting to come up. That's peace. Another picture of peace I had is Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Yes. Now, I'm kind of glad they're not open on Sunday, but how amazing would it be to roll into Chick-fil-A and get a spicy chicken sandwich combo with some nice fries and a milkshake some Chick-fil-A sauce, and a large lemonade. To me, that's really peaceful, right? But when I started to walk with God, I got a new image of what peace looks like. Here's what peace looks like. Now, you look at that, and you might go, Tim, why are you showing me this picture of this crazy storm and this water? And as you zoom in, you see... There's this bird just chilling there. It's not freaking out. It's not flapping its wings. It's resting there. In the middle of the storm, this bird has peace. And today, I want to talk about peace, not the peace from the standpoint of tranquility or from the standpoint of quietness, but from the point of What God has for us. Peace, for some of you, it's being in in a room watching your favorite movie. And I think that often that's us escaping. It's a false, it's a counterfeit type of peace. I think for some of you, it's eating your favorite kind of foods, or it's going shopping, or it's scrolling on social media. It's a counterfeit peace. I think for some of us, it's the amount of zeros we have on our paycheck. Or for some of us, it's buying that new outfit and it's getting the compliment. It's the validation. It's the the love and acceptance we get from others. But that is a counterfeit, false type of peace. It's really an escape. So what is peace and how do we get it? Well, let's start by looking at John chapter 14. Grab your Bibles and go to John chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 25. While you're looking for that, I want to set the context. It is Thursday night, Passion Week, the very last week of Jesus' life. And he is in this upper room with all of his disciples, and they are having a Passover meal. And Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, is in this room, and he's talking to his disciples. And it's interesting because out of the 33 years of his life, the Gospels spend 25% of their time talking about this last week of his life. And there he is gathered with a meal and he begins to kneel down and wash their feet. And this is jarring for many of them because the washing of the feet, that would have been for someone who was a servant. It would have been the lowest ranking person there. And here is the leader of the group, the Christ, the Messiah, down on his hands and knees washing their feet. This is totally rattling their minds. And then Jesus goes off and he begins to tell them that, hey, one of you are going to betray me. And Peter begins to argue with Jesus, saying, not me, I'm not gonna do that. In fact, Jesus, I'll die for you. Little does he know he's gonna deny Christ three times. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples. And as he does this, he begins to explain Here's what's going to happen. Verse 25 All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away, and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to be the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. Jesus is reminding the disciples, I've already talked to you about these things. We've talked about these things many times, but notice what he says, the Holy Spirit is coming. This is going to make a huge difference. You see, the the disciples, they have a fearful, anxious, noisy heart. Has that ever been you? Have you ever had a fearful, anxious, noisy heart? These disciples, they are troubled. And this is why we're studying a series like this. We're talking about stress, depression, worry, and peace. Because you and I go through difficulties and we are likely to have a troubled heart, just like the disciples. And God offers these disciples peace. Remember, Jesus has been doing everything for them. They're in a boat and waves are starting to crash in on them and they're starting to get worried and afraid. Jesus has the ability to speak into creation and calm the storm. If they're out with thousands of people and someone forgot their lunch and now we've got to provide food for thousands of people, Jesus can take care of that. He can multiply bread and fish. If Someone is in need, and they need help, Jesus can take care of that. You run into someone who needs healing, Jesus can heal them. You run into a guy who is just demon-possessed, and you have no idea what to do, Jesus can take care of that. And for three years, Jesus has been taking care of everything for them. And now he's saying, guys, I'm leaving So now they're troubled. Now they're distressed. Now they're a little anxious. Now they're worried. And he says, don't be troubled. That idea of troubled is being shaken up inside. It's this inner turmoil. And it's it's an imperative. It's a command. Do not be troubled, guys, because I'm going to leave you with peace. In the Old Testament, they would use the word shalom. It's used over 250 times, and this is how Jewish people would greet people. That word shalom is a large, all-encompassing word. It doesn't mean, hey, stop fighting with your wife. Hey, hey, stop being a jerk in the synagogue. Hey, stop disrupting the neighborhood. It means, I hope you have a type of unity and completeness and fulfillment hope all is complete with you. In the New Testament, they have a, a similar word that Jesus used. It's a rain. And it's the idea of a state of concord and harmony. It could be a state of harmony between two countries or two people. It's, it's well-being. And Jesus goes to his disciples who are distressed, and he says, I am giving you peace. And there's really two different types of peace. There's a transactional peace and there's an experiential peace. And that's what I want to talk about, this transactional peace. You see, before before you were a Christian, God looked at you, God looked at me before I put my faith in Christ and his view of the unbeliever is you are spiritually blind, you're spiritually dead, you're far from God, And you're his enemy, not a state of peace. But when you place your faith in Christ, you surrender your life to him and you ask Jesus to be your savior, all of that changes. And now you're his son or his daughter, you've been adopted, you've been forgiven, and you have a right standing with God. That transactional peace has happened because of everything Jesus did on the cross. And so that has taken place. There's a transactional peace of justification where now you have this right standing with God. And that transactional peace, I believe, leads to an experiential peace. And Jesus says, I'm bringing a peace. I'm giving a type of peace to you that the world can't offer. The world is offering a counterfeit peace. This week I went on Google and I said, okay, I want to find out what is the world saying about peace. So I did a quick Google search and I came up with all sorts of blogs and, and web pages. Here's what they said. Here's what the world says about peace. If you want to find peace, spend time in nature. If you want to find peace, meditate. If you want to find peace, love yourself. I'm going to stop there, okay? I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I don't think we need a whole lot of help loving ourselves. I think we do a really great job at loving ourselves. In fact, if I'm being honest, I love myself too much. I'm just being honest with you, all right? If Chick-fil-A was open right now, I'd be there. I love myself so much. But the world is saying, if you want peace, love yourself more. Practice acceptance, declutter. Then one was interesting. It said, be true to yourself. I'm not even sure what that means. I think I know who I am, but I don't know how to be true to myself. And then it said, escape for a while. Enjoy some me time. This is what the world is saying. If you want peace. But Jesus is the only source of true peace. He is our savior, and he's the only way you can have authentic peace. And he says, I am giving you peace. It's a gift. I'm depositing it to you. Romans 5.1 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified, it's the idea of having a right standing with God, through what? Through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is that transactional peace that happens. First thing I want you to see is God's peace isn't dependent on peaceful circumstances. You believe that? So many times we are right in the middle of the storm and we are freaking out. Stress, worry, depression fear is piling on and we feel absolutely overwhelmed but that transactional peace that leads to an experiential peace it's not dependent on circumstances so often we start by asking what if what if i'm single forever what if i never get married What if I never have kids? What if I get sick? And we go down this rabbit hole of what if questions. Stressful questions, fearful questions, anxiety starts to build up. And I would challenge you that as you begin to ask those what if questions, you move to a different question. You move to then what? Okay, if I'm single forever, Then what? Well, then I might be lonely. Then I won't have a person to share my life with. Then I'll be that single person. And everyone wonders why I'm single, like it's everyone's business. And keep asking, then what? Then what? Then what? And then I would challenge you to make a shift And say, but my God will. My God will what? What is true? The truth is, you and I have a good heavenly Father. He is the good shepherd who leads us to green pastures and still waters and loves you unconditionally. Bible talks about some really amazing things that God says is true about the believer. Romans 8.28 talks about how he works all things together for good, that you and I would be conformed to the image of Christ. Hebrews 13 talks about how God will never leave you nor forsake you. These are promises that God has for us. And so what we did is we created these magnets for you. You can grab one of these magnets, take it after the service. We have some on the welcome desk. We have some on that black table as you enter as, and as you leave. Grab one of these. Put it somewhere that you'll see. On your refrigerator, a filing cabinet, stick it right there and write on it. You can use dry erase marker or permanent marker and just write, what are the what ifs that I'm struggling with? What are those what ifs? And but my God will, because we need this reminder. I don't know about you, but I have this tendency to forget all these things that are true about God and what he says. And so this is just a tool to remind you, to help you work through what is true about God and what is he doing in your life. So grab one of these on your way out. I want you to know that God's peace is dependent upon the goodness of Of God. That's where we find God's peace. So many times I hear people talking about peace and the peace of God. And you know what I think they're talking about? They're talking about warm fuzzies. Have you ever heard someone, maybe you've said this, I'm about to step on your toes. Maybe you've made a decision and and you made it because you didn't have peace about something. Or you did make a decision because you did have peace about something. I want to tell you, when Jesus was in the garden, praying to his father, and he's ready to go to the cross, I don't think Jesus had warm fuzzies. In fact, he was literally sweating blood. Let me take a look at Luke chapter 22. I'll tell you, if I'm ever sweating blood, I'm going to the ER or the urgent care, or I'm calling 911. And here's what Jesus is doing. Luke 22 on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He's talking to the, the disciples. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing to take this cup, he's talking about, God, I'm, I'm about to go to the cross. Father, if there is any other way, and he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he arose from prayer and went back to his disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow." You see, Jesus is experiencing something called hematidrosis. It's a medical condition that when you go through severe pressure, that your body will actually produce blood in your sweat. That's what he's going through. I don't think he had warm fuzzies. In fact, he's he's thinking and, and articulating, Father, if there's any other way, let that happen, but... Whatever your will is, that's what I want to do. And, you know, I've talked to people and they said, well, I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go on that trip because I didn't have peace about it. And what they really meant is I didn't want to do it. You're not going to hurt my feelings. If you don't want to do it, just say, I don't want to do it. I've also talked to people, married couples. There's no abuse going on. There's nothing crazy happening in the home. There's no drugs. There's nothing chaotic happening. And and one of those spouses decides, I'm gonna start sleeping with my neighbor. And you talk to them and they go, well, I just have peace about this. And I'm going, what? How did you make that decision? Well, they had warm fuzzies. But we know that God's word says, That's not something you should be doing. And so many times, we make decisions based on how we feel. And I want to let you know that you, if you're a follower of Christ, you have this transactional peace. You are now in a right standing with God. You are at peace with God. And because you are at peace with God, you can walk through these hard situations knowing, my Heavenly Father has it all under control. I can be that bird in the middle of that storm and not freak out. Secondly, you must trust in God to have the peace of God. If God's peace is dependent upon the goodness of God, you must believe in the goodness of God to have his peace. In chapter 14, verse 29, this is what Jesus says. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. He's again talking about peace dependent upon belief. And he's, he's saying, look, I know how the story ends. There's gonna be a victory. I'm gonna die on the cross. I'm gonna pay for sin. Death and sin will be conquered and you know, if I was one of those disciples, I'd probably be freaking out because I didn't know how the story ends. Now, if I was to know what I know now and go back to Bible times, I'd be like, yeah, everything's going to work out. It's going to be good. I've seen the end. It works out. But you know, we don't always have that luxury of knowing how the story ends with your particular situation, do we? That's where we trust God. God. That's where we believe that he is in control of everything. And so, in chapter 16, verse 29, this is what Jesus says. And then Jesus' disciples said, Now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things. And that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe? Jesus replied. Where is your faith? How much do we really believe that God is actively at work in your life right now? Because when I freak out, when I'm worried, when I'm anxious... When I'm overwhelmed by life, my faith, just being honest with you, is pretty small. And it's not until I begin reminding myself, using things like this, reminding myself, okay, but my God is, but my God will. This is what is true about God. This is what is true about his word. Verse 32 says, a time is coming, and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You're going to have trouble. I'm going to have trouble. Our lives are going to be filled with difficulties and trials. And Jesus says, but take heart. Jesus, I have overcome the world. That's why we can trust him. That's why we can walk faithfully with him. If you don't trust God, you have every reason to freak out. I mean, our world is a hot dumpster fire right now. Russia is going crazy with Ukraine. And then you have, in North Korea, you have Rocket Man. Okay, there are all sorts of issues, all sorts of things to be freaking out over. But you can trust that God is faithful and he's in charge of everything. It's not a fake peace. Jesus didn't have a fake peace when he was sweating blood. He was believing that this was the plan his father had, to conquer death and to conquer sin. So how do we strengthen our peace? How do we strengthen our faith? Here's a peace strengthener. The promises of God. You and I need to remind ourselves about the promises of God. Think about who talks to you more than anybody else in the whole world. It's you, right? This is a safe place, you're not crazy. I talk to myself a lot, all right? And sometimes I answer myself. And the things I say to myself when I'm listening to myself are not always Christ-centered or godly or biblical. It's filled with anxieties of you're an idiot, This is stupid. This is not going to work out. You're going to fail again. And instead of listening to myself, I need to talk to myself and I need to remind myself, this is what God's word says. No, God works all things. All means all, right? All things for his good. Now, good does not always mean that life's going to go my way. In this context, it's talking about God is working out all things for good, and that good is that I would become more and more and more like Christ, conformed to the image of God. And the Bible also says, we talked about this earlier, in Hebrews 13, God will never leave you or forsake you. The Lord is your helper. These are the promises of God. That is a way we can strengthen it. We can strengthen our peace. Another one is is prayer. 1 Peter 5, 7 talks about casting your anxieties. On where? On him. Take all of your concerns, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, and cast them onto him. A few weeks ago, we talked about worry and fear. We talked about stress and pressure We talked about the circle of responsibility and the circle of concern and saying, okay, God, whatever my responsibility is, I'm going to do that. But everything else I'm going to entrust to you. Go to God in prayer. Another peace-strengthener is praising God. Spend some time thanking God and praising him for what he has done. It's hard to be overwhelmed by your problems when you are overwhelmed by God's presence. It is hard to be overwhelmed by your problems when you are overwhelmed by God's presence. And as we wrap up today and we wrap up this entire series, I wanna give you hope. Because I don't know what you're going through today or what you just walked out of this past week. But I know that one week on stress, one week on depression, one week on worry, one week on peace, might not do it. So here's one of my favorite verses on hope. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation. That word temptation can be translated as trial, test, difficulty, temptation. There is no temptation that has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And what? God is faithful. He's faithful. God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Meaning, God knows the line. You can go all the way up into this line. Tim, I've already been past that line. The straw has broken the camel's back. That line is you can go all, God knows the line you can go up to and still please him and still glorify him. That line for you may be different for me, for somebody else. He would not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. He's gonna provide that escape route, that exit route, so that you can endure, you can literally stand up underneath it. This passage gives us four promises to four lies that Satan tells us. Number one, maybe you've bought this lie before. No one else has ever gone through anything like this ever before. I'm being singled out. And the truth is, your trials are not unique. They're they're common to man. The next lie, God's not really there for you. You're just on your own. You're on your own, and the truth is God is faithful. Another lie, I've bought this. This is too much. I cannot do this. I can't endure. And God says, it's not more than you can handle. You can do this. Last one is there is no way out. You are stuck. Ever felt stuck before? Kind of like when your car is just sliding on ice and just digging a hole and you're just like, I can't get this minivan out of this trench. We're stuck. There's a way out. It's in God's word. It might not be obvious or clear to you right now, but there is a way out. So, as we wrap up today, here's the one thing I want you to get. It's hard to be overwhelmed by your problems when you are overwhelmed by God's presence. Let me pray with you. God in heaven, you are truly amazing. And you have given us peace, you've shown us how to have peace. You have made that clear in your word and for the believer, we have that transactional peace that leads to an experiential peace. God, I know there's so many of us who have walked into this room with troubled hearts. They're discouraged, they're overwhelmed, they feel defeated and God, it's my desire, that you would come alongside of them and you would help them to have peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Strengthen their faith. Help them to trust you more and continue to grow them through this time. We pray all this in Christ's name, amen. I'm going to ask that you